1: have you got drama yet? You-
2: Sup, y'all. Welcome on into the Govalls Twenty Four Seven Podcast. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio, and as you can tell by the truncated version of the intro, we got a breaking news edition of the Govalls Twenty Four Seven Podcast. Let's go on over to that home daycare center. Get to Ryan Callahan, who will tell us. While we are having a breaking news edition of this GoVols 24 7 podcast,
1: well, West Tennessee has made another edition from the transfer portal. Um, Wednesday, of course, was the final day for players to at least inform their schools that they are entering the transfer portal. But a guy who's been in the portal for a little while um, has been added uh, and has announced he's headed to Tennessee Gabe Judy Lally, a cornerback uh, who spent this past year at BYU. Uh, and previously played at Vanderbilt, uh, making the rare switch from Vanderbilt to, indirectly, Tennessee with the year in between. Um, and a, uh, a pretty pretty good experience pickup here in the secondary. People have been, of course, clamoring for some secondary help for Tennessee. Uh, you get a guy here with a lot of experience who, who started, um, started most of the games in his final year at Vanderbilt and then was, uh, was a starter for 10 out of 13 games, I believe, this past season at BYU. Uh, and had a pretty productive year there and now decided he wanted to, to finish his career with, um, with with, with not necessarily just a power five school, but a school where he felt like he could um, could improve his, his visibility and notoriety and and get a little more attention to, to, to get himself on the radar for for a few more teams going into uh, to the NFL draft, hopefully in a year or two. So uh, he has two seasons of eligibility remaining um, thanks to the COVID year and uh, and the 2019 season uh, having redshirted that year. So, or, or at least having the option of taking a red shirt since he played in four games that year. So uh, so a guy with a couple of years left who's got a lot of experience and, and Tennessee addresses a position that I think most people would agree was one of their biggest needs uh, in the secondary. They've got plenty of bodies on, on this roster who could play safety, uh, even though they had some issues there last season. But I think um, knowing that they, they, they had some veterans at cornerback, but if there's a position they were going to be able to upgrade in the transfer portal, it, it was maybe corner. They weren't really able to do it last year. Now they're finally able to do that with the addition of Gabe, Judy, Lally.
2: And before we move on, just 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 one quick heads up. And I, I want to say this on the front end: m- my voice is still not going to sound great on this episode of the podcast. Uh, I, I, if you can tell by the feed, obviously we didn't have as many episodes last week and and Ben hosted them, Ben McKee, our coworker. I have had a little bit of a pneumonia and I'm fine, but my voice is not good. So that's why I wasn't able to talk. I just had to produce the podcast last week and that's why I my voice still sounds a little bit like it does today. So apologies for any coughs here and there, apologies for, for sounding like this, but uh, just wanted to mention that on the front end in case you're wondering why uh, I sound the way that I do on this podcast. Ryan, l- looking at this this young man, this has got to be one of the more fascinating career odysseys that I've seen, right? I don't know if it's it's quite the same as like Caleb Tremblay's or anything like that because that seven-year odyssey was, you know, that was, uh, that, that was something else. But this young man starts his career at Vanderbilt, spends three years at Vanderbilt, graduates from Vanderbilt in three years, by the way, a Vanderbilt degree in three years is unbelievable. That is fantastic. That's a really, really sharp kid, is what that is. Then spends one year at BYU, and then comes to the University of Tennessee. You talk about three college campuses that I'm not sure could possibly be any different. That is fascinating to me.
1: Yeah, and uh, and, uh, and that kind of that background kind of reflects what you what you read and what you hear about him as a as a player that that he's going to bring. Uh, to to Tennessee's secondary, obviously a, a very sharp kid, very savvy on the field, and, and a good athlete on top of that. And, and let's point this out on, on the front end: he's six foot two. Um, yeah. And he, he talking with him, he says that's legit. Um, that that's not a, uh, a a stretched listing that you sometimes see. That he he really is around six foot two, pretty that's close gotta to be, that.
2: That's got to be what Julian Battles, by probably the last Tennessee corner who was that tall. Maybe because Jason, maybe Jason Allen was that tall.
1: Yeah, that actually stayed at cornerback. Yeah, that's that's probably true. You know, maybe some guys that moved to safety not long after they got to campus with that kind of height. But yeah, to, to be uh I think he said he's, you know, probably somewhere in the six one and three quarters or six one and seven eighths range, but to be even that close to six two, that's uh that that's that's pretty good size. And about one eighty five. Um so so clearly has shown at two different schools that he can play cornerback at a high level. Uh, I believe I read that he was pro football focused, his second highest rated defensive player on BYU's team this season. So uh, clearly, a guy who performed well and just wanted to kind of test himself uh, at at a higher level again to finish his college career, but uh, but no doubt uh, an impressive young man, and and uh, everything we've read about him uh, certainly reflects that he uh, he was he spent the past year. I, I don't know that he's finished it. I, I don't believe he has uh, this quickly, but uh, spent the past year at BYU pursuing his MBA at BYU's Marriott School of Business. Mm-hmm. So um, after graduating from Vanderbilt in three years already doing that and you wonder if he'll continue pursuing his MBA at Tennessee with, uh, which also obviously has a pretty good business school. So, uh, we'll, we'll see if he continues down that path. Uh, I, I would imagine he will, but, um, yeah, an, an impressive guy with, you know, again, two years left. I, I, I see this as a, as a pretty big bonus for Tennessee. You, you get a veteran with that kind of experience and, and much like with brew McCoy last year, if, if it works out pretty well and he has a really good year, he might have a chance to go pro, but there's a chance you're getting a two-year guy out of this move. So, uh, so a really nice pickup here. And um, also, should point out that he had a lot of lot of options in the in the transfer portal. He, he visited uh, UCLA um, after going to Tennessee um, and, and uh, visit another uh, another Power Five school as well. That's um, that, that's slipping my mind right now. But he he did take three visits, um, including a, a quiet trip to Tennessee at the beginning of that five day uh, transfer portal window for visits in early January. So um, this one's been in the works you know, for, for quite some time and just kind of uh, kept it quiet uh, until Thursday. So, so Tennessee getting a, uh, a nice addition here that a lot of, uh, I think a lot of power five programs were pretty interested in. Uh, he said it really was a, a pretty lengthy list of programs that made contact with him at some point, And uh, he knew what he was looking for. And Tennessee pretty quickly turned out to be the the right fit. Even though he's been on the other side of that Vanderbilt-Tennessee rivalry before, uh, he didn't show much hesitation to, uh, to to go that way and end up back in the state of Tennessee.
2: Yeah, and you look at him as a player, and again, we, we we've seen a little bit of him, not not maybe a ton. Um, you know, we we, we do get, a, a, you know, a chance to watch a lot of West Coast football because as people who work uh, in, in the East Coast, that's sometimes some of the, the games we can actually watch. Like, I remember there's three or four times a season, I remember going back to a hotel room on the road and you flip on the TV and there's BYU on in the hotel. So, you know, it, it, it's we, we've seen those guys play a little bit. And from what I remember about him, I'd be lying if I said it was a ton, but He's a guy who he's not an absolute burner as a corner, but he doesn't have to be at 6'2". That that gives you a little bit more leeway. You can press a little bit more. It it gives you a better chance to get back in on plays because of the length to get in and get to the ball. Um, it, It really helps kind of in the red zone in a lot of situations, and I think he's a capable tackler. I think he's a fairly tough kid. So this is a guy who, when you look at Tennessee's secondary last season, anyone who could come in and help, would would be someone you would want to take quickly? I would imagine.
1: Absolutely, and, we, and we've seen uh, you know people have, have kind of asked as different names have popped up in the portal. You know, Jahim Singletary from mm-hmm. Georgia was one that a lot of people asked about recently. Uh, you know, uh, Davis and Nick Binosin, uh from Ole Miss, the guy that Tennessee recruited quite a bit out of high school, coming out of New Jersey. Um, there, there have been some other guys that popped up in the portal, uh, but Tennessee's kind of had this one in, in the works for for long enough that uh, that there was never even any interest in in, in going down this road. And part of it is you've just got a guy that's as experienced and proven um, as, as GD Lally that, that he can come in and uh, you feel confident you're getting someone who can compete right away for, for a starting job. Um, it, it, it'll be a much different looking cornerback room. I know that there are a lot of people thinking you're, you're going to have a lot of guys back. And, and we'll see, especially after spring practice now, who sticks around in that group because the cornerback room has felt a little bit too big to me anyway. It uh, seems like some guys are going to have to leave there eventually you know, whether it's the Sean Walker type, you know. Don't you you
2: say it. Don't you say it.
1: And 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 look, I have no idea whether he's looking at leaving, but you just wonder based on depth chart, based on the depth chart, you know, which guys, you know, maybe in his type of situation are going to feel like they can't play now or don't have as clear of a path to some playing time. And and maybe someone makes a move this spring that, that changes the outlook. But, you know, Warren Burrell is back. Kamal Haddon hasn't entered the transfer portal. You've got a lot of veterans there. At that position, not a lot of guys who've played extremely high level football, but a lot of guys who have played. And uh, and you've got Danico Slaughter and Brandon Turnage. I mean, there's, there's just a lot of bodies there. And then you bring in three freshmen who are really talented. I, I think in Jordan Matthews, Christian Conyer, and Ricky Gibson, and all those guys think they're going to be able to compete for early playing time. And now you throw in an experienced veteran and Gabe Judy Lally. It just feels like that that position still could see some uh, some turnover after spring practice and and once they you know get him in there and go through practice this spring uh, after they had a it's funny a skeleton crew last year at that position just nobody to go through spring spring ball and you had William Wright out there working with the ones and things like that you're gonna have a pretty big group there this spring and there could be a lot of competition so we'll see how things shake out once they get out there on the field but they they should have a much better idea of of where everyone stands by the end of spring ball and I, I think that's probably going to lead to some pretty natural attrition at some point. It just feels like there's too many guys there that someone's going to eventually feel feel like they're a little bit too blocked, uh, especially now as you throw in a veteran that's going to fully expect to come in and if not start, at least be right in the mix for a lot of playing time.
2: Yeah. I would expect the coaches to massage that situation very carefully during spring. I I would expect to see a lot of movement um, in the depth chart on a day-to-day basis. I, I would expect coaches to pull out a lot of the old stops to try to see Or or try to make everyone feel like, hey, you know, everyone's got a chance here. We're still open. And then maybe once preseason camp started, maybe then you would start to see a little bit more solidity there with the numbers. Uh, My only concern would be, and it's it's not really a huge concern, it would just be, are you getting guys enough reps every day? Uh, because if in, in, or, or is anyone getting enough reps or or, or or is it a situation where everyone is getting a little bit but they're not really getting in rhythm but then again Tennessee goes so fast that maybe guys will still get plenty of reps it's not like those receivers and quarterbacks are going to want to stop throwing the ball I mean they'll, they'll, they'll probably get all kinds of reps out there so I think it's probably okay it's just a matter of you know with a lot of guys there you know cornerbacks are always some of the biggest ego guys on the team not in a bad way they need to have egos to play out there but how will they handle that situation i would imagine you know air dropping in a guy like like Judy Lally here i think he probably is mature enough to to kind of be a steadying force in that room and that could be a helpful situation when you got a young got a lot of young guys who are going to want to play and a lot of egos there
1: yeah, that's that's a good point. I, th- I think a guy like like Judy Lally brings in a, a certain type of maturity. You know, having been at two different schools, having having gone into a similar situation, you would imagine at BYU last year that that he knows how to uh, to a get along with people pretty well, and that, that people are going to respect his approach, and that, that he can maybe help um, ma- make that less of a uh, of an awkward situation or less of a um, just just tooth and nail battle uh, every single day where people are you know holding grudges or what, whatever else might come up. So. Uh, we'll we'll see how they navigate that but you're right I think it's going to present some challenges and they've got to they've probably got to do some different things on the practice field to to be able to uh, convince all those guys that they can still have a chance to to play uh, if they if they decide to stick around and that's that's where this transfer portal window stuff gets really interesting this is the first year obviously of the new transfer portal windows guys can leave pretty much any time still from what I understand as graduate transfers but if you're a non-graduate transfer, now that this first 45-day window has passed, you now have a 15-day window, May 1st through May 15th, to enter the transfer portal. And that is it. You cannot go in there during August in camp if it's not shaping up well. You have to make a decision based on the best information you have in May if you plan to enter the transfer portal this year as a non-graduate transfer. So that, they're going to have some, some guys with interesting decisions to make. So they're, they're going to be trying to get as much information as they can on on where they stand. But yeah, you would imagine that that there's going to be some people looking around that room and saying, Hey, there's, there's four new bodies in here and they all think they're going to play or, or have a chance to compete to play. This this doesn't look good. uh, Or this is, this looks a lot harder for me to to get on the field. So, uh, but for Tennessee, it's, it's something they needed to do. Clearly they needed to upgrade that room. They needed to bring in more length, more speed, more guys with just the kind of natural ability they've been lacking a lot of times in recent years, at cornerback, and this is, uh, I think, a, a pretty big step toward addressing that. Two years ago, they kind of got what they could get at the time with Kamal Haddon and Brandon Turnage, and those were pretty good pickups, I think, under the circumstances, yeah. considering how dire the situation was. Last year, they really didn't get to add anybody at cornerback out of the transfer portal. Had a lot of guys coming back. It felt like they you know, they were able to sort of navigate that pretty well, but you certainly could have made a case for them to add someone last year, and they didn't. And now you you bring in the, the bigger high school crop of guys, and then you add some transfer portal help too, so it's it, it's overdue probably. Uh, it's definitely needed, and it should give Tennessee a much better outlook overall at cornerback going into this season. Uh, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how all this plays out. You know, I, I wonder what a guy like Warren Burrell is going to think of this move. You know, that we all we all kind of assumed he would be coming back, and knowing this staff's penchant for playing veterans that they trust, that he might slide right back into the starting lineup. You know, now who knows how this shakes out? It's going to be a really interesting competition for guys like that. So uh, I think this actually could be a pretty fun spring to to at least to assess what they have at that position and, and all the different bodies and let those guys compete and see who comes along and see maybe who who uh, who doesn't rise to the occasion and, and show that they're at least one of the main guys in the mix for playing time because they, they, they've they got some options now. But that, that I think they had to have some some upgrades in talent because that position obviously has just struggled for a couple of years now and they've, they've got to get better.
2: Yeah. And the last thing I'll say before we go to break here, we're slightly overdue for one, is that... When when you talk about a situation like if you add guys, will will other guys want to leave? Will they not want to compete? My my stance on that has been the same since I've been in this business, which is that if you have guys who don't want to compete, fine. There's the door. I I, I just I know that might sound harsh. Uh, but if and in some cases a guy needs to leave because he's not going to get a chance to play and guys should put themselves first they should uh, you only get a certain amount of a time to play in college you ought to be able to go somewhere where you feel like you want to play if that's what you want to do i'm not knocking those guys i'm just saying if you have a competition and you got a lot of guys and you got guys who want to leave well they're probably not the guys who are going to win the competition anyway because they're not going to fight for it that they're just they're not going to that it's not in there it's not in their DNA to go in there and fight for it. They don't want to do that. So not a knock on them, but if you want to leave, go right ahead. And that's, you know, Tennessee's doing just fine right now.
1: Yeah, there's, there's, there's something to be said for that, for sure. That, um, but at the same time, you know, this is, this news is coming out after the transfer portal window has, has closed. You know, you, you don't know how many people were aware of his visit, um, within the program, at least how many people were aware of his visit a couple of weeks ago that or that true. this edition was
2: coming. That is true. But,
1: with this being announced after the transfer portal window is closed, you know you wonder if it's it's going to, is it going to rub someone the wrong way? You know how, how's it going to be received in that room? It's certainly an interesting dynamic, but I do think Tennessee is um, a lot better at the cornerback position now, just just with the addition of those three newcomers, and and then throwing in a veteran like, like Judy Lally, that you would, you know, again I would I would I would be surprised if, if he's not a, a at least. a a starter early in the season you know maybe we'll we'll see how that competition shakes out there are certainly other options where he may not be a guaranteed day one starter but he's coming in fully expecting that he can be a day one starter and he knows he the 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 thing you like about him is talking with him he knows there's going to be competition he knows that it's not going to be handed to him because he's done this before he did it Vanderbilt had to work his way up the chain he he knows he's got to compete for it and he's coming in ready and just like Bruce McCoy was last year and he thinks he's going to Put himself out there on the field, but uh, the, these other guys—they've—they've got to be ready too because they—it's uh, a big year for all—all all these players. That uh, the situation is going to get some, uh, some, some certainty about it one way or the other over the next few months, and uh, whoever rises to the occasion is going to be the one, uh, going to be the group of guys that that plays at that position. Uh, but they—they've really uh, improved that group quite a bit, I think, with this addition, and uh, it's a—it's a nice pickup, you know. Again, size, experience, a lot to like about. Uh, about this addition for Tennessee, going it going into the portal and getting a guy that was, you know, again coveted by a lot of Power Five schools and. Uh, that that has the kind of size and experience he brings to the table agreed
2: and there's a lot more to discuss about Tennessee I I think we we, we've discussed mostly what we can about Gabe uh, Judy Lally here but there is a lot of other stuff because as I said earlier I I was out a couple days uh, almost a week not being able to talk so there are some things that we have not been able to catch up on that we need to catch up on Uh, some some transfer portal news for Tennessee um, some some guys that are that are heading to the exits or have already left some guys that um, we'll, we'll see what's going on with them. Also some 2023 recruiting stuff, all lots of other things that we need to hit on and we will hit on those things. But before we do that, we're going to step away for just a second, pay some bills, listen to product services, uh, in-house ads, et cetera. And then we'll be right back here on the goballs 24-7 podcast, hashtag ad. Money!
3: eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential?
2: Welcome back to the GoVoss 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Uh, Ryan Callahan coming to you from across town there at his home daycare center talking about uh, transfer portal, portal. Tennessee has added uh, another commitment from Gabe Judy Lally, a cornerback uh, who started his career at Vanderbilt, then went to BYU and now will matriculate his way to Knoxville, Tennessee, to play for the Vols. He's got two years of eligibility left. That's a big addition for Tennessee. Talked about him in the first segment. Going to talk about some other uh, transfer-slash-recruiting news here in the second segment with Ryan. Before we do that, though, just a quick Quick uh, suggestion, quick request from our end, if you will. If you could take about a minute out of your day right now and go in there and rate and review and subscribe to this podcast, we really would appreciate it. If you're just listening on the website, there govos247.com. Nothing wrong with that. We love you. No wrong way to consume this podcast. What helps us out the most, though, is if you go in there, uh, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast a fine pod, you can find this Go 24-7 podcast. We do this for free. We're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. No uh, very few complaints from our end, I should say. But what helps us out the most, please go in there, rate, review, and subscribe. And since we're doing this for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there and do that. So go, please go rate, review, subscribe. Please tell your friends. Tell people you see uh, out around town. Tell people you see at church. Tell people you see at games. Tell people you see at tailgates. Tell people you see out walking your dog. Anyone that you see that you see, hey, that's a Tennessee fan. Just go up and tell them. Go up and tell them, hey, I like this podcast. I like this podcast. You, you you might like this podcast too. I've heard so many stories now. People tell me that they're doing this stuff. Really, they are. They're doing this stuff, and they're telling me about it. And I love it. I think it's awesome. So if you're already doing that stuff, thank you. We love you. If not, I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Ryan, back to business. As we know, the the transfer portal door swings both ways. And Tennessee, as some a lot of people were probably fearing, uh, you know, may may have. May have uh, uh d- not not may have definitely did lose some players as two. Where where do you think how's this portal cycle been for Tennessee? What's going on there?
1: Well, they, they've added eight guys now with the uh, with the addition of, of Gabe Judy Lally. Um, and, and one more note on him that I should I should throw this in there. If you remember much about the twenty twenty Tennessee Vanderbilt game, and you're forgiven if you don't because it was not a very memorable game. Aside from Tennessee, um, I believe that was the first game they played without Brent Samaglia at kicker. And they had to get by with Toby Wilson in that game and yeah. uh, wasn't a, wasn't a very exciting game I think Tennessee won pretty comfortably um, but Gabe Judy at the time it was known as just Gabe Judy um, had his first interception in that game so he had he has an interception against Tennessee he he also started his college career or very early in his college career I guess the second game maybe went to Neyland Stadium with BYU or I'm sorry um, or has, has played at, has played at Neyland Stadium at Vanderbilt in 2019 I should say. Um, I was thinking of Keenan Peely who, yeah. who played earlier in his career at and, BYU and, and, at the, and, and,
2: and had a BS 15-yard penalty against him against Tennessee in that game.
1: <laughs> I'd, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. But, when he, when he, um, when he,
2: they called, they called what was not a 15-yard penalty. The, he got flagged for no reason, but go on.
1: Y- yep. So, so, so Judy Lally has played in two games at, at Neyland stadium or, or been there on the sideline, at least for two games uh, and played in the 2021 game quite a bit. So he had seen it, seen it all before and, and obviously familiar with the the rivalry. So, um, and, and interesting that it's uh that it's worked out that way, and that he's uh that he's now headed back to Tennessee to uh to to, to play on the other side of that one. But um, now that they've gotten you know eight guys, that you know really you look you look up and down the list, and um, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of needs already have been addressed. Uh, you wouldn't say they're 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 definitely not done by any stretch. I certainly wouldn't say that, especially with the new rules. You know, we've covered this a lot of times, but remember there is no twenty five signee limit in the past. All scholarship transfer additions would have been handled the way a high school player signing with with a a school would. Um, You you counted toward that 25 limit. So if you only signed 15 guys in your class, that left room for 10 transfers. Um, So it was pretty cut and dry how many you could add. Now it totally depends on who ends up leaving and how many spots you have under the 85 scholarship limit. So any further attrition, and Tennessee's not at 85 right now. To to my understanding, they're still under, uh, I believe, by a few spots, maybe at least a couple. Um, so they by by that math you know they obviously are going to have some spots to fill this uh, this spring after spring practice if they want to and they still have some needs I think they would like to address but I think they've done a good job they've gotten um, some the receiver help they needed with Dante Thornton that was a huge pickup uh, a couple offensive linemen that they had to have I think and Andre Carrick and and John Campbell uh, got a got a much needed tight end in McAllen Castles uh, defensive line help with uh, with Omar Norman Lott the guy that I think Tennessee's really excited about what he can add as a as an interior pass rusher uh, on the defensive line. You get the veteran linebacker in, in Keenan Peely. Uh, obviously gave Judy Lally a cornerback. And then and let's not forget the kicker, uh, Charles Campbell, that um, originally from Jackson, Tennessee, but but spent the past few years as Indiana's primary kicker. So to to get a guy to get guys like that at all those different positions in December and January. And remember, there was so much uh, anxiety, I think, among Tennessee fans after last year. Why weren't they more aggressive in the portal and things? They couldn't be. No one. Yeah, they couldn't be last year. And 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 if there was any concern about that early this year, we're clearly seeing now that that's not a concern. You know, I I heard people saying, "I'm not sure Josh Heupel likes going to the transfer portal to to add players." Well, he just added eight guys in December and January, so clearly that's not uh, that's not an issue. He took ten that first year, uh, kind of out of necessity. Um, So I I don't think they're going to ever build this roster. Through the transfer portal, unless they just have no other options and, and just really strike out on a lot of guys in the high school ranks, don't think that's going to be their primary way of building this thing out and continuing what they've gotten started already at Tennessee. I think they see the transfer portal as somewhere to supplement what you what you were mostly doing through through high school players and developing those high school players uh, and filling immediate needs for the most part in the transfer portal. So they're they're going to pick their spots. They're not going to add add bodies just to add them. You know, you don't want to end up with players that you regret taking later or players that mess up your chemistry, players that are are red flags for one reason or another. You don't want to do that. So so they're gonna they're gonna always be selective. They're gonna make sure they're getting guys that they feel can help them and not just not just players who are basically a lot like what they already have. Um so they're 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 still gonna be careful about that, but they they've clearly shown a willingness to to add players out of the transfer portal when when needed and when when presented with an opportunity and they're not done this year. So I, I think there's a good chance they add more help after spring practice, but you have to have to say they did a pretty good job. Uh, if this is it, and I would assume it is for now uh, for this winter haul, so to speak, I think they've done a pretty good job of addressing a lot of needs. And while they're not fully stocked up the way they would like to be roster wise at all those positions, they, they've, they've touched on all the positions that they had to hit in some capacity this year.
2: Yeah, there are, uh... You look across the board and you look at numbers at, at most positions, and they're in a better situation than they have been. But there are still some positions where you look at it and go, hmm, could really use more depth there. I mean, I would think of tight end for one, and, and, and that would just be my opinion. And, and also, I, I think at quarterback. We we need to discuss this. I, I don't. It's so hard, Ryan, in this era. It's so hard to have more than one good quarterback on your roster, right? We know Tennessee's going to have more than one good quarterback on the roster next season. We know that if they stay healthy, you got Joe Milton, you got Nico Eamaliava. You're 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 good there. But also, there was thought that maybe Taven Jackson would hang around and fight and try to compete. That's obviously not going to happen. He has gone to the portal. He has matriculated his way to uh, Indiana going back home. He's going to play for the Hoosiers. Uh, Good for him. I think he's got a chance to start there and be the man there in that offense. But uh, that does hurt Tennessee a little bit. It's hard to keep multiple really good quarterbacks or good quarterback prospects, Ryan. But, you know, that that puts you in a situation where you're a couple hits away from – you know, you're, you're a couple hits away from being in a tough spot.
1: You are. And, and this, I, I think if, if you look, if you studied quarterback rooms around the country uh, y- you would see that there, there probably aren't a lot of situations really comparable to what kind of dilemma Tennessee is about to have. Um, because if you, if you have a player of the stature of Nico Iamaljava, you're usually in an Alabama and Ohio state, a Georgia someone like that, where it's a little bit easier to bring in guys behind them and, and, and for them to be willing to wait their turn or, or just to hope for a chance to play in, in a couple years or if it doesn't work out with Ian Maliava or, or whatever the case may be. Tennessee's in a different situation. They've, they obviously are building on an 11-win season. They're, they're, they're able to sell championships and the chance to compete for championships at least and, and not having to sell a, a hope and a, a vision for the future the way they have uh, for, for most of the last 15 years um so they're in a much better spot but i still don't know if that this program has has quite the clout just yet where they can go out there and get another pretty decent quarterback and bring him in and convince him to sit essentially behind this five-star quarterback that you know with the rumored NIL deal and all that stuff that everybody knows is likely the quarterback of the future at Tennessee so they're in an unusual rare difficult situation I to answer your question, I I do think Tennessee is at least going to look at its options in the transfer portal. I think you have to. Yes, you have um, to
2: look. You have you're not doing your job if you don't look.
1: At, at the same time, I think they're they're going to be very careful about even the options that they explore very seriously because um, I mean you don't want to even risk bringing in a veteran that would. Uh, that would rock the boat too much with, with Nico Iamaliava. I, I don't know if anyone would want that kind of situation, but if someone's interested in, say, coming in next year and competing with him for the starting job after Joe Milton leaves, that, that's that's a tough sell for for, uh, for, for Nico Iamaliava, who, who thinks he's the quarterback of the future. And on top of that, most guys aren't going to be very receptive to it. I just don't think it's going to be a very easy-to-sell situation because not, not many people coming in behind Joe Milton. I mean, first of all, let, let's assume for a minute that they're only – uh, sacrificing one year, not many guys are going to be willing to sacrifice one year and come in and sit behind Joe Milton and Nico Yamaliava and know that they're not going to play this year unless two guys in front of them get hurt. Um, because that's how most people are going to look at that situation. So fair or not, that's, I think, the the perception of it. And so that makes it a tough sell. And so then you're talking about a guy with multiple years left um, for it to be someone who's willing to come in and sit behind them for a year and wait their turn to at least compete. And then, who can you really get? You know, who's who fits that description? That's not looking to start somewhere, or not at least and, looking for an opportunity and, and, and to go that somewhere player, and
2: start. And is that player better than Gaston Moore?
1: Yeah, and sort that's of. and so the, I so I think the next step in this is actually uh, the internal step where Tennessee's going to go into spring practice, and they they are very familiar with Gaston Moore. Joey Halsley and Josh Heupel have worked with him since his time since their time at UCF. They're they're going to take an even closer look at him, though. He was the backup for the bowl game. I think they kind of know for the most part what they have in him, but I think they really need to 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 take an even closer look at him this spring and just see what they have because they've never gone into a season thinking, okay, can this guy go into a game that might be meaningful and and play for us and, and keep things afloat or do we need to find something better, and more serviceable that that's going to keep things on track if we get in a pinch like that. So Obviously, third string, a little bit more realistic to get into the game as opposed to fourth string, and he's pretty much always been uh, a little bit lower on the depth chart than what he would be this year. So I think Tennessee's got to see what they have in Gaston Moore. If they feel comfortable with Gaston Moore based on what they see this spring, honestly, I won't be shocked if they just call it a day and don't even look that much in the transfer portal, if at all, Um, because I think think it's that tricky of a situation that they're not even holding out much hope, frankly, that they're going to be able to find someone. But if the right person is there, if it's a fit, if it's a veteran, someone who's willing to come in and essentially, you know, maybe not even maybe a guy who at this point is, has given up on the dream of playing in the NFL, just someone who's willing to be a career backup the rest of the way. Or someone who can find- someone
2: who wants to become a coach in the in the future exactly. and, and really looks at this hypo offense and says, you know what, going in and learning this hypo offense could really help me as a coach because the best offense in FBS and FCS right now are offenses that are running this Tennessee offense, the hypol offense.
1: Yeah, and that's and, that, and that's what i was alluding to just guys who are who are not really anymore pursuing the player path to their careers and, and are, are looking at, at some other path and think they could benefit from from a move to tennessee uh whether it's to to be a coach or something else so that that's probably the type of player you'd have to find uh or some other type of uh, of of maybe project that you could uh could could sell as someone that's not really uh yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's a tough sell on both ends because you've got to make sure you're not bringing in someone that's going to rock the boat with your current players. And you've also got to bring in someone that's um, that's willing to take the opportunity and who knows that they're they're stepping into a situation that's not really tailor made for them to compete for a starting job anytime soon. So I, I think for those reasons, it's going to be tough to, for Tennessee to add anyone in the transfer portal. But I do think you, you've probably got to at least keep an eye on the names out there and see. See what's available. Um, you know, people. Uh, there were people before the bowl game who wanted Tennessee to go out there and be active for some of the top quarterbacks in the transfer portal. Not sold on Joe Milton yet. Got to find a guy. I mean, anything short of punting on Joe Milton, and you can't do that. Um, if you go get somebody that's got any kind of experience like that, you're essentially telling Joe Milton, we, we don't, we're not sold on you, and you've got to compete for your job again, uh, and not just against Nico. So I just think everything there, – there's so many things uh, that are complicated about adding someone that – you just can't just say, hey, let's go get the best guy we can. And even if you could, you're probably not going to get that guy. So it's, it's, it's to me, unlikely, but we'll see what they can find in the transfer portal and, and maybe elsewhere. Maybe this ends up being a situation where they can find a late project in the high school ranks or junior college or something else that's maybe a little more creative than what we're thinking right now.
2: Yeah, I, I, put, I put zero blame on Taven Jackson for doing this. I, I, I think... He very clearly saw the writing on the wall. It wasn't hard to see and a chance to go home and play, um, maybe start for a Big Ten team. I I do not hold that against him whatsoever. However, it it did sort of put it did kind of box Tennessee in a little bit in terms of <clears throat> excuse me what the options are right now. So we will see there there's lots more obviously we'll spend an entire offseason discussing Tennessee's quarterback situation there will be more uh, ebbs and flows and left turns and right turns and progress and problems and everything in between and we will discuss all that but for right now before we get out of here Ryan in terms of 2023 this class you know we used to think of Obviously, the signing day used to be right there, early February. Everyone got ready for it, fired up. This will be one of the busiest times of the year. Now it seems like that's a, it's a busy time of the year for like 24s and 25s and 26s and all that. Where is Tennessee with the 2023 class? It looks like there could have been some guys, and you've talked about this before. We've written, we've written about it. You've talked about it. But it looks to me like I don't know if Tennessee is for sure done, but Tennessee – might be done in this cycle. What do you What do you think?
1: It, it's looking that way now because uh, the the one name we were kind of tracking going into this week, who who actually was scheduled to take an official visit to Tennessee this weekend, uh, defensive lineman Sua Lafoto, I believe I'm pronouncing that right, mm-hmm. uh, from uh, from California, a former Washington commitment who reopened his recruitment back in November, I believe. Tennessee offered him last month. Had had some good conversations with him since then. Uh, everything kind of was on track for him to visit this weekend. Uh, and then that sort of change over the past week to 10 days. I think, uh, Nebraska offered, he was pretty excited about the, the offer from that new staff there, Matt rule staff. And, uh, and now, um, I think sort of a, maybe it's a mutual decision, but definitely on Tennessee's end at the very least, I think the Vols have decided not to bring him in on that visit and just to, to, to kind of back off there and not, um, not worry about continuing to pursue him. So he, he kind of listed a, uh, uh, a group of finalists uh in a post on Twitter and Tennessee's not even one of the eight logos on there. So I think it's pretty clear Tennessee is officially backed out of the Sula sweepstakes and uh and they will not be adding him down the stretch. So we will see if any other names pop up here late, but right now, at least at this point, um we, we can't rule out that Tennessee is, is done with this twenty twenty three class. You know, again they got up to twenty five players in the class with Deshaun Bishop being added on on early sign day, So it's not as though they're short on numbers. They're, they're certainly not. Uh, and then the remaining spots they do have, you know, might be, might be better used for the transfer portal to get some, uh, some, some additional pieces at you know, tight end, as you mentioned, which I think they definitely would like to add another tight end in the transfer portal. If they can find one there that they like, uh, there, there's, there's maybe an, even an argument to be made for a second wide receiver, although I'm not sure that's as likely. Um, but that's no, you you could, could definitely consider. make
2: an argument for that. You could definitely yeah. make an argument for that.
1: Well, with with a you know one or two wide receiver class essentially in the twenty twenty three class, uh, assuming Cameron Seldon starts off at running back the way I expect him to, that's that that's it's it's certainly not a stretch for me. But I I do wonder about the the logistics of that when you've got a room that's got some veterans who are fully expecting to play this year. Uh, it would be a tough sell for Rommel Keaton to see them bring in a second transfer, for instance. So it it would be a, a tiptoe kind of situation to to add someone else there, but they could try. Um, and then on, on defense, certainly a second defensive lineman would make some sense. I think an edge rusher. We, we saw them uh, kick the tires on, on Taylor Upshaw uh, of Michigan. He was actually going to come in on an official visit on Sunday and then canceled that visit and didn't end up visiting after he committed to Colorado during his official visit there last weekend. He kind of set his sights on Colorado pretty quickly after entering the transfer portal. But that was a guy who was a role player at Michigan, clearly wanted a chance to start. Don't know that Tennessee could have for sure given him that. He would have been at least a rotational player at Tennessee, I think, but they were interested. So I think they'll they'll maybe look around after after spring practice for someone similar who can give them a little bit of a veteran presence at edge rusher with losing Byron Young uh, to the transfer portal. So we'll we'll see, or to to the NFL draft, I should say. So we'll we'll see what else they add uh, after spring practice. But I do think they they will look to add some additional guys there. And and yeah, there's a real chance unless something unexpectedly pops up that they're maybe done with the 2023 class uh, as as things stand. But hey, currently. It's a top 10 class. Uh, it's a really good class, obviously, that a lot of people have been excited about for a while. A lot of those guys have already gone through some bowl practices, 15 of them. Uh, a couple more will be on campus this month uh, as early enrollees. Got a lot of transfers who will be here as early enrollees to start classes on Monday. So it's a uh, it's, it's going to be a noticeably different-looking roster even this spring. Uh, and a lot of people are excited to see what these newcomers uh, can can add to this team immediately now that they've officially Gotten on campus and are ready to get started uh, with with this uh, with this 2023 team that's now looking to build on a on a pretty exciting season and you're two under Josh Heupel.
2: Yeah, uh, my final thought would be that when you look at it, I guess globally, you're you're looking at a, a Tennessee team that obviously w- without Hooker and Hyatt and Tillman and and Byron Young and some other guys, it, it's going to look it, it's going to look different. But you saw against Clemson, some of those some of those concerns were I, I, I think soothed a little bit and so you look at now what you've brought back uh, you're adding a top 10 signing class and i think when you look at and time will tell but when you look at what left the portal for tennessee and what tennessee brought in through the portal i think that was a net gain for tennessee so you're looking at a net gain from the portal a top 10 class and building on what you've got so i i think overall nothing is ever perfect uh, not even for for like the Georges of the world. Obviously, nothing is ever perfect, um, but I think Tennessee. When you look at the the top ten class, you look at the net portal gain, you look at what they're bringing back. I, I think the foundation, the structure of this program, feels like it's gotten better and feels like it's in a pretty good spot.
1: Yeah, and, and like you said, considering all that they've lost, I think they've done a pretty good job of patching things up. Uh, that they uh, that they they've done their best to. Keep things on track offensively, where they're obviously going to have the most question marks uh, with, you know, losing Darnell Wright and Hendon Hooker, Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman. A lot to replace there on offense. They've they've done their best to kind of replace those guys, and uh, we'll we'll try to keep things moving this uh, this coming season. But um, yeah, they've 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 done a nice job of patching things up, keeping a lot of guys here so far. Um, that's maybe the biggest story to me uh, out of this transfer portal window that just ended yesterday not a lot of guys that have left. Um, I thought there might be a little more attrition, frankly, uh, than what we've seen so far. Still still might be,
2: still might be after spring camp. We don't know.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, again, maybe some of this happens after the spring. That's, that's a real possibility, at least at a couple positions, but it's, it's, it's something to, to, to again, compliment the staff on because people are wanting to stick around. They're, they're, they're enjoying being part of the program, enjoying uh, being a part of the culture and, and not many people are feeling that they have no path to playing time. Um, So that's, that, that's a that's a tip of the cap to to Tennessee staff I think for for getting people to feel that way and to, to want to stick around even when they've not been playing uh, clearly in some cases as much as they would want to play so um yeah we'll see how much more of that there is this off season, but they've they've done a pretty good job and now now it's uh time to go out there and, and spring practice in March and see what they have um, with some of these newcomers and some of these returning veterans like Joe milton obviously who are who are now kind of stepping to the forefront and, and ready to take center stage
2: certainly a better couple months than it has been for certain programs perhaps programs that rhyme with Florida you could say yeah you could you could say that Ryan thanks for the time man really appreciate it and I know this is a, a super busy time not that recruiting's ever not busy but this is obviously lots of moving parts and pieces and I'm sure you'll we'll, we'll, you'll be back on you know next week or hell even sooner and we'll have more to discuss about all this stuff but thanks for joining us man appreciate it
1: absolutely feel better Wes
2: there's that button and now I can say answering any question that you've gotten. You get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs. And that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus uh, which is an excellent growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS Paramount Viacom etc you get every show CBS has ever made commercial free you get new movies you get classic movies that rotate in every single month uh, you also get just tons of original content tons of great original Paramount Plus content and you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon uh, Smithsonian uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That—that That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one m- lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to govals 247com